Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. This is Dr. Jay Calvert and Dr. Millicent Ravello simultaneously coming to you from the newly tinted windows <laughs> of the 10th floor of the Roxanne Building in the office at Suite 1001. Dr. Ravello, how are you doing? I'm doing really, really well. Greetings. Nice to be here. What do you think of this tinting? <laughs> okay, first of all, the tinting looks wonderful. It was pretty janky before. But for some reason, the window tinters of the 10th floor of the Roxanne building only tint windows on the days that I'm seeing consults. <laughs> and on the days that I see consults, about 90% of my patients are getting naked and taking photos because breast and body is what I do, That's what you all do. day. So I'm in here and usually my standard line is, don't worry, your face isn't in here in these photos and don't worry, nobody can see through these windows. Which is true, Which is except true. <laughs> when the tint is off of the windows as it has been for the last week. And when there is a man standing right <laughs> outside the of them, squeak, 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 <laughs> watching the windows. I'm like, oh, don't worry, no one can see in. Except for that guy. Except for the dude on the <laughs> scaffold who is looking right in while you were getting these just photos of like total nakedness taken. Yes. It's really tough. Yeah, it was challenging today. But uh, they are done and they, they do look beautiful. And now nobody can see And in. now nobody can see in. Right. <laughs> well, it is awesome. I am very pleased with it. And I have to tell you, though, speaking of getting those photos taken, I was... Uh, sitting there one day thinking about the process of a plastic surgery consult because I hadn't had one. So I said to my wife, I was like, hey, Chris, do me a favor. I'm going to like take off my clothes and you're going to take pictures of me like I'm getting my love handles liposuctioned, which I've dreamed of for years and I'm ready to do whenever you're ready. <laughs> and so she's like, all right. So she gets the camera and I'm standing in front of the wall and we take these pictures. And uh, she goes, so how was that? I go, you know, it was really awful. Yeah, it's, it's just, really, it's really awkward. Aw- it's, it's awkward awful. and weird. And by the way, that was my wife taking yeah. pictures. Like, not like the person you just met 12 minutes before. So we get it on the photographs in the plastic surgeon's office. It is not fun. It is necessary. It's how we analyze your case. It's how we record what happens. So the photos, it's a thing, but a necessary part of the deal. Totally necessary. And... It gets a little routine for us because we do it all the time, but I have been on the other lens of that photo, and even though I know it's routine and I know why we're doing it, it is still very awkward because all you're thinking of are your unacceptable body parts and the things you don't like, whereas the surgeon's just looking at the angle. We're like, okay, a little more to the right, a little more to the left, up, down, okay. like we're At the time that we're taking the photos, we're not actually looking at your body per se as much as we are the quality of the photograph and the angle. We'll come back as we plan the case to look at your actual photos and analyze them. But at the time that I'm taking the photos, I'm really just concentrating on like the lighting and the angle and not so much like your jiggly bits, you know? Yeah, I know. And that's the thing is that you're there because there's something you don't like. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway. Not one, what we're talking about today. One, one thing, though, <laughs> that we know that's not necessary are the dudes on the scaffold <laughs> freaking wheeling by the, the windows. <laughs> like, really? Really? Like, that's got, like it's already bad enough, right? Yeah. So we had to, we had to move the photo room for yes. a week. But it's back, <laughs> and things are good. What we were talking about today is revision Asian rhinoplasty. Not the primary Asian rhinoplasty. 
but like revisions of rhinoplasties done for people of Asian descent who have all kinds of different problems that lead to revision surgery. Well, let's clarify. You are discussing revision (laughs) Asian rhinoplasty. (laughs) I will be your helpful and supportive co-host. You have been involved in these cases with me. And I've done a few. Um, But that is definitely more your area of expertise um, because it is a bit of a niche specialty. That's not something that the average rhinoplasty surgeon has a whole lot of experience in doing because it is a very specific population. Well, and the reasons for revision in this population are kind of unique also, kind of, not not just, the, but there's a constellation of things that occur, and we've, we've done a podcast on Asian rhinoplasty, which I think anybody who is considering Asian rhinoplasty should listen to that. Even if you're going to have revision, you should listen to it, because it outlines a lot of the core concepts, even though I do say on that podcast... I just don't like the term Asian rhinoplasty because there's so many different things that come up when you talk about somebody who is from Asia, who's of Asian descent of any kind. Like I think traditionally what people are talking about is Asian rhinoplasty where you're putting in a silicone implant on the bridge of the nose to build a bridge of the nose. You're narrowing the ailer base to bring the ailer bases in. You're creating tip definition because the tip is typically rounded and unprojected. That's what people think of, but I don't like the term Asian rhinoplasty for that because there are people in Kazakhstan who live in Asia that have big bridges on their nose and they have different constellations of issues, et cetera, et cetera, and I can go on all day. But with revision Asian rhinoplasty, what I'm talking about are problems that have occurred in a traditional, quote-unquote, Asian rhinoplasty, such as implant malposition, poor definition of the dorsum, the wrong incisions on the L or bases. I could go, I could do an entire, we should do it. We're going to do an entire podcast about L or base reduction. We're going to. Okay. We have to. You have no choice. Agree. You're I, part I, of this yeah, podcast. You're twisting my arm. Yes, I, we will I know do it. Like we will do it. cringing at that one. And then we're going to do post op labioplasty instructions. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be yours. <laughs> Deal. So the, what happens is, and I've, and I've seen recently, probably in the last month, I've seen four maybe the last six weeks, four or five really difficult Asian rhinoplasty revision patients that they've had Asian rhinoplasty, quote unquote. And I, I, again, don't like the term, but they're having problems with these are the things that they've come in. A few of them have problems with the uh, dorsal line contours because the implant isn't right. The rib graft piece has, has gone wonky and it's, tilted they have problems with the tip hanging columella issue one has no columella because it's been totally retracted and sutured up in a tongue and groove manner to the septum the ailer bases are jacked on a few of them uh one of them's too long because the the septal extension graft is the, the graft is the size of texas like all these things have happened that have caused a unsatisfactory result in an asian rhinoplasty and now they're looking to revise it. And all of the things you mentioned are very, very classic for what typically happens in a primary Asian rhinoplasty and the problems that can come from that. And we keep talking about implants. And what we're referring to is that historically, when Asian rhinoplasty is performed, there is a low dorsum where the height of the nose is low. And in the past, and 
to this day, it's still being treated with implants, dorsal implants, which are usually silicone-based, although there are some other funky materials. But it's very common to just anybody and, you know, seems like almost anybody can do it. If you go over to Asia, you can get go over to Asia what a dumb thing to say go over to you know Thailand. China or Korea or Thailand anywhere like yeah, that ba- there's a guy I know a friend of mine in Bangkok puts in 1400 dorsal implants a year right because it's quick it's easy it in 15 minutes. you throw them in and you're on to the next one so for that reason there are a lot of patients out there that have these dorsal implants and it's why we see so many problems with them although in our Asian rhinoplasty podcast we did mention that it seems like at least in China that they are doing more and more of the DCF grafts as you mentioned they are going more towards autogenous there yeah. they like the dice cartilage and fascia with they take rib for a primary Asian rhinoplasty in Shanghai, where where I saw that being done at the at the My Like Hospital, as a matter hmm. of fact. Um, but that that's not the case in a lot of other parts because dorsal right. implants are super cheap. They can be made out of uh, silicone. Um, there are ones made out of Gore-Tex now, or uh, I know, I know that right? that because uh, my buddy Bill Binder is making them with his implant tech company. I, I've never used Gore-Tex or the. Uh, Gore-Tex implant from uh, Implant Tech. I have no financial interest, but um, but it's there. There's still plenty of implants going in, and they can get plenty of problems. And I do see, you know, dorsal implants rotting through the tip of the nose that extract extrude that way or come through the inside. And obviously, on my Instagram and on my website, there are plenty of examples of that. Yeah. But those are the extreme revisions. What the patients I've seen recently just have. Like, not good-looking results. They look done. They look operated and weird. And the patients ain't happy. And you are, at that point, for sure, 100% obligated to take rib, right? For me, Because it is. generally, there's very little septum anyways to start out with. Correct. And now, when you're really trying to either rebuild the dorsum or correct these tip deformities, you're looking at some sort of support. And so, in your, your yeah. hands, that's rib. Yeah, I use rib cartilage and I use uh, deep temporalis fascia. Um, there's all sorts of versions now of dice cartilage and fascia or non-fascia. Even in uh, Asian rhinoplasty, there, there's a, a camp of people who now take dice cartilage and treat it with fibrin glue and make a solid implant. The problem I have with the solid implant is the same problem I have with the silicone implant is that it can go wonky. It can get cockeyed. It can get twisted. It can shift. It, it can... You, it, because it has hard edges, if you don't nail it and it's right in the right place, well, now you've got a problem and you've got a revision surgery. With the dice cartilage and fascia, there's some forgiveness there that you can mold it over time. If it's not exactly right, you can put a little hyaluronidase into the, into the substance of the, of the graft and massage it out and get it straight. I mean, there's, there's more play in the system for me with the dice cartilage and fascia. And that's why I used it to see everybody going to fibrin glue and dice cartilage. I'm like, why well, just put a, put a piece of rib in there? Rib in like, there. Why, why are you bothering rib. with all that? You know, if you're going to use a solid implant, just use a solid <laughs> implant that, that defeats the purpose. So I don't, I don't get that because I use solid implants too. I'll use a solid, not a solid implant, but a solid piece of rib. If I want to build up a lot and then make a cosmetic layer, I'll put a DCF over a couple layers or a piece of you know solid rib. I, I'm I'm open to whatever is going to make the nose look great. But specifically in these revision Asian patients, the the problems with with the alar base are so devastating because once they're cut wrong, they're mm. wrong for good. 
And they always say, can't you revise the scar? And I'm like, it depends. Mm, yeah. It's very hard. Well, the problem is that usually the alar bases have been narrowed because they were too wide to start out with. And so if you get a really ugly scar there, you can't, it's, if you just cut it out, you, I mean, the, then, then you're going to make it wider again. And <laughs> like, so, you know, in, it's no. really hard because now you're trying to make it smaller and take the scar away. And there's just really no good option once you get that misplaced, unaligned scar. You can't make it go away. I think that's a big reason for revisions in these patients is they're just not they, – there's a, there's a textbook drawing – I forget which textbook it's in, but it's been, it gets republished and rehashed all along about when you cut alar bases to cut them a millimeter off of the crease. I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why would, I, I, why would gonna, you do I'm that? On record right now saying, <laughs> don't do that. Don't cut it a millimeter off the crease. I guess they're trying to be safe and preserve blood supply. No, I would be. They're, they're, I don't I, know I don't what know. they're doing. They're, it's, it doesn't work because then you see it. But if you put it right in the crease... You have the best chance of hiding it. Yeah. I cut it like smack dab on that crease. I, and I take out the sill. I don't like to cut up on the nose. And then I see these ones that go up on the side of the nostril. And, oh, they're just, mm, no. So what do you do for those patients that have those just awful, I awful do, scars? I try everything that I possibly can. And if I don't think I can make it better, I say, I am sorry. I cannot make this better. You need to microneedle the hell out of that. You got to fat graft it. We got to do micro fat. We got to do nano fat. We got to do whatever we can to make it better. But I am telling you, you the, you got to cut those things right the first time. If you yeah. don't, that's why we're going to do a podcast about ALR bases. But that those revisions are very hard. Revising the tip in an Asian r- r- rhinoplasty is not terribly difficult because mostly what it is is that they don't have enough structure, so that you need to add rib and make some structure, and you can make it look nice. And the bridge, I usually solve most of the bridge problems with a DCF graft, a dice cartilage and fascia graft. And that seems to take care of business. You know, they don't, some have breathing trouble, those sort of things. And that, but that's not, the, that's not the focus. The focus is I got a jacked up cosmetic result here and it's not what I'm, what I'm looking for. And so that's where that understanding sort of the premises of the of you know, preserving ethnicity and preserving the look and making it you know, into a great you know, uh, just harmonious look is really important. That's really what they want. Well, yeah, they want they want a great looking nose that matches their face and that is not wonky and not <sighs> scarred up. I know, and some of them are so bad. So anyway, I've been seeing a lot of them, and just for patients that are thinking about it, the the best thing to do when you go in for your consultation is is number one always to identify the problems that are bothering you. Do the best that you can to be able to put it into words. I think this is too high. I think this is too low. I think this is the wrong way. I think that the, the implant is twisted. Whatever, and bring pictures of what you like because that really helps save the day. If you can understand what you're going for and you can communicate that to your surgeon. Then, then you can at least, you know, clear a path to to success, right? Yeah, we've got a direction to go in. But you know, a lot of people get these rhinoplasties done. They don't know why they don't like them, but it's just it's really because they just weren't done well. Yeah, and that I think that's very reasonable. A lot of people, for no matter what kind of surgery they're coming in for, can't always identify what they don't like, but they know they don't like it. So sometimes that falls on us to be like, 
well, this is what I see and this is what I can fix. Right. And we do that. I do that too. I, I, I always say, well, I see what I don't like. Why don't you tell me what you don't? And let's see if it matches up because I see it immediately. You yeah. know, if I see bad ailer bases or a tip that's, you know, asymmetric or that the nostrils are kooky, I, I mean, I see that. And, and everybody, you know, again, I will refer you to the nostril symmetry, <laughs> the nostril asymmetry podcast, just because they're never going to be symmetric, but they shouldn't look like they don't go together. Yeah. They should look like they are a nostril pair. You know, nostrils are just, they're just like breasts. You know, they're kind of sisters, not twins. Um, nostrils are the same way. It's one typically looks like an Easter egg. One typically looks like an almond. If you're ever, if there was ever a rhinoplasty, you can get nostrils to look really close to being the same. It's in Asian rhinoplasty because hmm. I have seen some pretty dang symmetric nostrils in Asian rhinoplasty, but it's rare. But it, if there were some, it's just because you're doing the ailer base, you're grafting the nostril, so you can really kind of custom tailor it a lot more right. than if you're doing, say, like a Caucasian rhinoplasty. Right, we're not really touching the ailer bases yeah. or rims. I mean, yeah. there's just, there. I don't know, there's just, there's more to it, and so it gives you some opportunities to, to really be creative about creating symmetry, which is cool. Very cool. Well, if you were at all thinking about getting your Asian revision rhinoplasty, this is your man. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't live in my area, find somebody that does. And that's the other thing I will say. I mean, it's best to find a, a local surgeon. I, I'm, I mean, I have a ton of fly-in business. I just don't I, – I think it's better to have somebody that's close by to you who does this stuff. Now, if there's nobody by you, then you you got to fly. You know, yeah. you got to go to you know Chicago to see Dean Turiyumi or, you know, you got to go see, you know – David Kim up in San Francisco does a lot of this and you know there's there are people that do revision Asian rhinoplasty a fair amount and not just Asian surgeons I, I do a ton of it too but um, I know Paul Nassif does a bunch too but it's you got to find somebody that that has your aesthetic you know look that you're trying to get out of this and it's if, really and key. if you're really struggling you know you can always reach out to either of us and ask if we know of someone in your particular area because chances are we do yeah that's true yeah. yeah, I mean, we know a lot of the folks in Europe and, you know, obviously in my buddies in Korea and uh, Shanghai and, and Taiwan. I mean, these these people are, are skilled. Um, so, yeah, I think that those are the concepts. Uh, understand where you can get to and realize that there's going to be rib cartilage graphs and fascia graphs involved in this in the formula for success. Absolutely. All right, Dr. Vello, anything else for the uh, the crowd today? Anything else that they need to know? No, I think we got it all. All right. Well, then this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210 with fully tinted windows. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. If you want to reach Dr. Ravello or myself, we're available for consultations. We can also be reached through the websites. Dr. Vello, what's your website? My website is rovelloplasticsurgery.com, and the phone number to reach us here in the office is 310-954-1355. And I do want to mention Rock Spa, which is the sponsor, truly the financial backer of this podcast. And Rock Spa is the Medispa that's located both in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills, providing Botox, fillers, lasers, microneedling, esthetician services like hydrofacials. We have incredible people. They do great stuff. And I highly recommend taking a look at the websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. 
All the information is also on my website, drcalvert.com.